Hey, NetSuite listeners. Thanks for tuning in to the NetSuite Podcast. I'm Ian McHugh, one of the co-hosts of the NetSuite Podcast and a Senior Content Marketing Manager at NetSuite. On this episode, I chat with Darren Cooper, CFO at Reveal Group. Reveal Group helps companies across sectors like government, healthcare, and financial services automate various aspects of their operations. The business achieves that through software they built and a team of experienced consultants. Darren explains how Reveal helped introduce robotic process automation to the Australian market years ago and how its solutions have helped customers see a 200 to 500% ROI in just a few years. More recently, the pandemic reset led clients to implement Reveal Group solutions more widely across their organizations. That's led to 50% annual growth powered by a surge of business with U.S. clients. Darren describes how Reveal Group previously used a smorgasbord of accounting systems to manage operations across Australia, South Africa, the UK, the US, and Canada. And he details the problems that led to with currency conversion and reporting. The CFO explains why the Suite Success implementation model was a big reason why Reveal chose NetSuite to replace all of those systems. He shares some of the biggest benefits Reveal has seen with NetSuite, like how it's helped with project reporting and revenue recognition. Darren touches on why NetSuite One World has been, quote, an absolute dream, unquote, for managing a multinational business. He also walks through why NetSuite Advanced Customer Support has proven a great investment for the company. To close, Darren sheds light on Reveal's plan for continued expansion in the near term, and he provides a few wise words of advice for aspiring CFOs. Stay tuned. All of that and more is coming up next. You're listening to the NetSuite Podcast, where we discuss what's happening within NetSuite, why we're doing it, and where we're heading in the future. We'll dive into the details about the software and the people at NetSuite who are behind all the moving parts. We'll also feature customer growth stories, discussing the ups and downs of running a company and how one integrated system can help your business continue to scale. So Darren, I know Reveal Group is a a company that offers a variety of both products and services, all kind of around business automation, but could you tell me a little bit more about the the business model and who Reveal Group serves? Yeah, so we're a bit of a uh, specialist intelligent automation company, Um, and what we do is we design and implement the um, robotic process automation and intelligent automation solutions uh, for for our customers. Their sort of main goal at the end of it is to reduce costs, uh, increase productivity, and obviously as a result of that, um, improve the overall performance of the business. And our sort of key markets or areas at this stage or industries that we're busy with is um, between these sort of financial services, healthcare, and governments. But at the end of the day, any sort of company that's got what what we sort of define as routine um, processes that uh, that can be followed are um, pretty good options to to look at automations for. Typically, the larger companies uh, benefit a lot more from our services, um, just from the sheer scale of the volume of transactions that they have to process and and obviously then what we can automate for them Um, but at the end of the day any company that that has that sort of um, processing within their business um, is is a viable candidate for us. And do you have kind of like your own proprietary solutions you use third-party solutions as well as kind of part of your work the the projects you do for for your customers? Yeah we've got a few of our own um, products as well that we've developed over the years Uh, they help us to to first of all get the implementations done a lot quicker than would otherwise be the case 
um, as well as have a much higher quality. So the, the products that we've got actually review the code, make sure it meets all the best practices that are required, and um, we can actually then rate the, the scoring of the code um, based on a percentage um, relative to sort of best practice. So customers could either buy those products, use them with their own internal teams, um, and then that will then allow them to actually rectify any problems that are that are in their code internally. And obviously, from our perspective, when we're going out to clients, you know, we can we can use those products to to speed up the the timeline of which we were able to implement, while simultaneously making sure that our code is at the the relevant standard to allow. Um, the correct processing and and best practices. And uh, I think you said that you maybe tend to work with, with larger companies. Would you say those make up the majority of your business? Are there some smaller or medium-sized companies in there as well? Yeah, look, I mean, we we do work across the, the full spectrum of companies. Like I say, anybody that's got those processes. Um, at the end of the day, um, the sort of medium to larger companies typically just benefit more from the outcome. So it's not to say that you couldn't use them in a small company. The question is just at what point does it make sense? And um, generally, the smaller companies, it's a lot less useful for them, whereas your massive companies where you've just got thousands of identical transactions um, effectively um, is, is just a much larger candidate for for our services and and they can benefit more greatly from them and and could you give us a sense of of kind of um the the results maybe that that your customers see or the return on the investment they see with with some of these products and and services that reveal group offers yeah so once again i mean it'll largely depend on the actual customer themselves um for obvious reasons um typically you could conservatively look at probably a 200% return um, over a relatively short short period of sort of one to two years. Um, but with that being said, we have had clients um, on, on the sort of larger side where we've come in and we've had an excess of a 500% return over a three-year period. So it's pretty significant savings in the bigger scheme of things. Um, obviously, it does require a little bit of upfront investment, but the payback period is often less than a year um, and then obviously you've just got the ongoing uh, savings thereafter. The other benefit that you've got is the robots can also run effectively 24-7. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no downtime and um, they they run effectively at 100% accuracy. You know, there's no human error that pops in. It's literally, as long as it's been set up and coded correctly to begin with, you've got 100% accuracy running 24-7. And then it's just an exception basis where the humans actually need to get involved to to evaluate or um, provide um, input as to to fix whatever the error was that kicked out. Yeah, those are definitely very very impressive numbers and, and fast numbers too, as you mentioned. That's a, a pretty quick return. Um, one one thing you know we've we've seen lately with the economy being the way it is, with the you know changes we've seen with inflation, all that, everything that's kind of kind of shaking. The economy right now is that you know cash flow has become a, a really big priority and and profitability has become a kind of come back into focus if you will have you seen um you know the nature of your engagements with clients shift at all based around some of those priorities and, and goals that we're seeing become more more popular yeah certainly it's uh, changed quite a bit especially over the last couple of years um because of covid and you know obviously the working from home and and therefore having to to change you know how how people function and how things operate um typically in the past the business has been very focused on um individual business units and um i don't know finance teams or it teams doing very specific projects 
However, in the more recent years, it's certainly been escalated a fair bit more. Um, we're seeing a lot more involvement at a sort of a board or C-suite level, and it's become much more of a strategic imperative for companies to actually implement these things rather than just individual business units. And I think that's a combination of you know COVID and just having to take out that human and being in the office um, element. Um, as well as the technology evolving. You know, it, it is still a relatively new technology. Um, it's only really become mainstream in the last sort of couple of years. It's growing exponentially at the moment. And once again, you know, COVID has um, greatly improved the, the development of the underlying software and the ancillary software that, that kind of works together with, within the RPA um, field, um, more on the sort of intelligent automation side. Um, but basically just to support one another and, and guide the process. So it's quite an exciting time and industry to be in at this point. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And the company's been around since since 2005. Could you give me a sense of kind of how it's grown, maybe even evolved uh, since then? You know, you mentioned some of these products are, are just starting to catch on. So I'm <coughs> curious where, where they might have been 15 plus years ago. Yeah, like obviously 2005 was well before my time at the company, so I can't speak uh, in too much of the detail on that side of it. Um, I only joined in about 2019, but yeah, I mean we've we've always been in that sort of productivity improvement, um, process improvement side of things. RPA came in um, probably around 2014, 15, and probably sort of 18, 19. It really started to to accelerate the the services we when we initially started we were largely um, doing just our own um, internal um, tools so the um, the reveal ops IQ uh, was one of the main t- tools at that point which is used by a number of the large banks and uh, 2014, I think it was, we actually got involved with Blue Prism and we were sort of instrumental in, in bringing RPA or expanding RPA within Australia. We were one of the first people to, to get involved and do it. Um, and at that point, we were pretty much a Blue Prism shop. Over the last um, two to three years, we've expanded uh, both in terms of the products and services that we do as well as the industries or geographical regions. So. Um, we've we've now taken on um, a fair amount of UiPath work. We've got Microsoft, uh, which is growing pretty exponentially um, at the moment, uh, although that one's largely in its infancy still. We're starting to do a fair bit of automation anywhere work as well. So ultimately, in terms of the actual products, we, we are getting a mix. And sort of very late 18 or early 19, we actually started up uh, within the North American market. So I joined in uh, March of 19, and at that point, I think uh, we had about 40, 50 employees, more or less. And over the last couple of years, despite obviously COVID and the lockdowns um, and all the rest, we're now sitting um, in excess of 120 employees. The U.S. operations in particular is where a significant portion of the growth um, in headcount has come from. Um, and once again, you know, over the last sort of three to four years, uh, we've pretty much been doubling the, the headcount year on year in, in the North American side. We found the markets, it's just a lot bigger, um, it's a lot more diverse, and the companies uh, that are on the US side, if, there's a lot of room for them to actually use our services and gain significant benefits uh, in the process. So at the moment, year on year, we're probably growing in excess of around about 50%. From from the initial days, you know, we were a relatively small company. Uh, we had individual companies in regions. Some of them we had started up with partners. So, 
you know, we were on multiple accounting systems. We had different year ends because of the the in-country, you know, their tax years and all the rest. So one of the things that we had to do um, when I joined was actually bring in a new accounting system, uh, do a bit of a group restructure to get a sort of holding company subsidiary relationships going and, and basically just get the group in under one, one big umbrella. Um, that's obviously also then made it a lot easier to, to control the company and the spending and the monitoring of the performance. But it's certainly been a, um, an interesting time and, and with the growth that we've been, we've been having, um, it's, it's been a very important step for us to actually get, get to where we are currently. Yeah, and Darren, you kind of started to, to talk about it there, but what were some of the, the biggest challenges when you showed up in, in 2019 on the, the finance side? What were some of the real kind of biggest pain points to you that said, you know, we need a, a new system here that just isn't getting the job done anymore? Well, I think there's a number of things. Um, when I actually started, uh, before I started, I had discussed with the owners and things about obviously joining and in the hiring process, we discussed putting in the new system. So I never actually got to do too much work on the old systems. But in a, in a nutshell, there were a number of issues. The first one was that each of them was a standalone company. There, was not, there wasn't one system that, that kind of you know, ruled them all. We had Sage, Zero, QuickBooks. You know, there, I think we won four different accounting systems. And once again, it was just a function of the, the partners that we started up the operations with and what they were on and, and everything. Um, but we also had multiple currencies. So we were operating in Canada, USA, the UK, Australia, South Africa. So every time that we wanted to look at any kind of numbers, you had to first of all run it from each individual system. Then there was obviously some kind of a conversion. And um, when you're small, it's, I guess, reasonably easy to, to manage. You know, you're across pretty much everything. But as you're growing and you're scaling, it just becomes more and more impossible to do. Um, and the demands for, for reporting actually increase as well. So it's no longer just running a quick income statement or something. You know, it's suddenly starting to analyze utilizations and billings and pay, pay periods and cash flow forecasting and... You know, all the all those other individual systems are great, and they've they've certainly got their place. Um, some of them have got some features that I'd like to get within NetSuite, um, which apparently are on the roadmaps and things. But fundamentally, um, you know, the the main goal was to get onto one system where we could do very quick reporting at the touch of a button, and have the ability to either drill down or review on um, either company or consolidated results without too much hassle and we've certainly been able to achieve that. So Darren you mentioned that the the company was on you know multiple different accounting systems how did that kind of come to be was each office or unit just kind of choosing the solution that worked best for them and then that kind of turned into a mess over time? Yeah it was partly that Uh, partly it was based on the in-country requirements you know certain ones certain systems were better for I don't know payroll or for the the VAT or GST reportings whatever it might be but we also started up a couple of the operations with the assistance of in-country partners at that point in time. So sometimes it was just a question, well, they were on a different system um, to what we were on. So um, because they were doing all the books, they were doing all the, the work and the setup to begin with, we just kind of went with the system that they had, um, given that they were doing all the background um, processing for us. So it was a little bit of a, um, a process to, to move and, and to standardize. 
but at the end of the day, you know, for it's a typical, I guess, entrepreneurial type of business, you know, where opportunities arise. Um, you've got to be quick to, to pounce on them, to take advantage of them um, and to, to get into the market. So we took it as best we could. Quite frankly, it did work for us. You know, there were no issues with being on different systems. It just got to the point where the, the size of the business just didn't, um, didn't warrant keeping separate systems. We actually needed to get onto one system where we could follow the same processes across the entire group and, and get the streamlined reporting as quickly as possible. How did six out of the top seven best-performing tech stocks gain visibility and control over financials, inventory, planning, and budgeting with NetSuite by Oracle? Answers at netsuite.com slash code, netsuite.com slash code. And Darren, I know you mentioned it was kind of before your time, but Sage was one of the systems that Reveal Group was running on previously. Do you have any sense of, of where that solution in particular was, was falling short or some of the limitations of that one? Uh, like I said, it was largely before my time, so I can't speak specifically for Reveal. Um, I have used Sage myself in um, previous companies, and just from my experience with it, um, or certainly at that point in time, there were a lot of um, shortcomings on the on the reporting side in terms of being able to get numbers out, uh, you know, balance sheets, agings, um, income statements, and, and just the ability to customize and report on them very quickly and easily. Whereas, you know, on NetSuite, you've got, I don't know how many uh, reports that are there out the box, they're all available, and it's a very quick and easy um, process to actually customize them or update them to to what works uh, for us. And then when it came time to to choose a new solution, I know you considered a newer version, I imagine, of Sage, Microsoft, SAP. Where did NetSuite kind of stand above those, or maybe where did some of those other uh, vendors fall short for, for your needs? Bit of an interesting question. Um, I think I've had the misfortune of being involved in a number of implementations uh, or migrations, I should say. Um, I've done, I think, four or five of them in probably five or six years. So um, it wasn't it wasn't my first time at it. Uh, but just overall, you know, for us as a growing business, we were we were coming from that sort of smaller owner-managed um, type of business. We didn't have uh, fixed, you know, policies and procedures in place. You know, everything was controlled or run by one person who was also the owner. And we were looking at actually, you know, bringing obviously me in as a finance person, growing the finance team. We were expanding the the number of people that were working for us, needing access to the systems and all the rest. So one of the the key differentiators for us was around the Sweet Success um, program or policy that, that you guys have, which is effectively... Um, between somewhere between Oracle and NetSuite where you guys have actually gone out and got you know industry best practice for various verticals and um, kind of you implement those as a standard and that was that was a very big um, selling point for us um, my mandate to the guys that were doing the implementations was I want best practice end of story we will adjust our processes to best practice obviously that comes within reason and there's certain things that you ultimately have to either deviate from or tweak as you as you progress through it but that was was one of the key key things for me um, overall although some of the guys internally do complain about the the system or the use of it or they don't like using it i think it's more of a a function that they actually just don't use it too much and therefore don't know how to use it um, 
both myself and my finance team, we absolutely love the system. Uh, we've worked on a number of other systems before, and it just seems to be miles ahead of, of whatever else is out there from a user interface, from an ease of use, um, from the ability to actually report and, and generate um, the, the information that the business needs. You know, at the end of the day, all the systems can ultimately achieve the same objectives in terms of getting you, getting you the numbers, but it does come down to, to the, the ease of use and, and inputs. Yeah, and you mentioned that, that sweet success model there with the, the implementation. How did you feel like that made the implementation maybe better, easier, certainly I imagine faster than some other ones you had been through at previous companies? Yeah, so uh, because we were a relatively small company um, and I had done a number of implementations before, I knew exactly uh, what well, in theory, I knew exactly what needed to be done and how it needed to be done. Obviously, there were some certain formattings or changes and things um, that had to be done to to fit specifically within the NetSuite uh, model. But overall, just having that framework of best practice just allowed us to simplify the process, streamline it, um, and then once again, you know, as we've as we've grown and that since then, we've been able to customize it and tweak it to cater exactly for our needs, and that's all done pretty quickly and easily. Uh, you guys have got also the, um, the customer support and, and professional services team, who's who's a great help in in getting uh, the answers when we need them investigating things or even helping us set up you know new workflows scripts in the background pretty much anything that you're needing to do is is possible it's just a question of you know how do you do it and is it there as a standard or do we need to look at actually implementing something or changing it slightly to to fit our needs and when you did go live with with NetSuite I think around the summer of 2019 what were some of the biggest immediate benefits you saw as the the CFO from kind of your perspective I think it was mostly around the reporting um, and the data insights that we were now able to get. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we were doing a lot of extracting from different systems and, and then converting and manually summing up, whereas now everything's in the system. It's a click of a button. You can drill down straight away. And um, the ability to also then look at forecasting based on projects that are, that are actively on the go, project reporting, you know, hours that we've incurred, burn down reports, um, project budgeting, all the, I guess, the, the good standard best practice things that every company should be doing that we'd either not done, didn't have the ability to do, or was kind of almost self-managing outside of the system, was now fully visible within the system. And it just means that the data that you've got uh, to make decisions on is that much more accurate, that much more reliable, and any any decisions that you make are just that much more realistic or um, insightful, maybe is a better, better word. And over time, have you kind of continued to add to some of those reports, figure out what you need and how you can, can see what you need from the system? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a bit of a never-ending uh, process, particularly as we grow and scale. You know, we're growing pretty rapidly, so there's there's a lot of changes that are happening um, as and when we identify something in in one place, we then try and drill down or or look at it uh, a bit differently. So it's certainly something that is continual improvement. You know, Net, NetSuite itself uh, spends a fair bit of time putting out new reports, new functionalities, etc., into the system. Those are obviously always great to, to have and to get, um, but at the same time, every business is unique, and you know, you, it's it's only once you're actually in and running the business and you're facing the problems or um, 
trying to evaluate the decisions that you're needing to make when you actually realize, well, what are you after? How do you need it? Where do you need it? So for us, it's almost a monthly thing where we, we streamlining, we're tweaking, we're changing, adding, removing. You know, it's a never-ending um, ending process. And I'm sure until such time as we actually get to the point where the sort of growth has slowed down, and um, kind of stabilised in a steady state environment, we'll we'll still be going through through changes pretty regularly. Even once you get to the point where you have stabilised, there'll still be some um, some processes where you need to to reevaluate or just I don't know. You've got more time to to do something because you're not trying to juggle all these other um, tasks. So you you can actually then just step back and say, well, how can I improve this or change it rather than, a well, what do I need now? So it's certainly a continual exercise and, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. So one thing you mentioned earlier was running a business with offices in multiple countries, multiple currencies, all those, those types of things. And I know you use NetSuite One World, I imagine, to address some of those problems. But how is that aspect of NetSuite, that component in NetSuite helped when it comes to kind of consolidation and multiple subsidiaries and the, the currencies and all that type of stuff? Uh, quite frankly, it's an absolute dream. Um, I l- absolutely love that uh, that system. Um, you know, we can flip between local currency or um, group consolidated currency, you know, you just two or three clicks and it's there, changing periods. And once again, drilling down, looking regionally, all of the, you know, the foreign currency revaluations are done in the system. Um, all the intercompany balancing is done directly in the system, so you don't have to actually waste time. Obviously, assuming you've done the transaction correctly to begin with, um, but you don't have to waste time trying to work out why your intercompanies don't balance or where the missing entry is. You know, it's all in the system. It's all there. It's all revalued. Um, there's auditable reports uh, that you can run um, once again as standard in the system that you can then pull out. It just simplifies absolutely everything has it helped with the reporting at all like is it easier to get reports on the whole company or by subsidiary all those those types of things oh yeah absolutely um i mean we we pretty much get our company close done now or a monthly close within three to five business days uh, from from month end it's certainly simplified that a lot Another piece I wanted to ask about, Darren, was the uh, revenue management module. Obviously, you're a software company, you're a services company as well. How does that module kind of help when it comes to all the complexities that come with, with billing and making sure that you're complying with all the, the rules that come with, with billing as a services company? Yeah, so the revenue module, I think, is, is a relatively complex one within, uh, within NetSuite uh, for obvious reasons. From um, our perspective, you know, we've got one or two challenges here and there, which is, I think, probably more our setup than a capability issue um, on the system. But as a standard, it works exceptionally well. You know, once you've defined the rules around how you want the revenue to be recognized on any individual item. So obviously for us, you know, the difference between the, the resale software, the software as a service software or the consulting services. And then obviously within the consulting, whether it's TNM or fixed fee, but once you've actually got those rules set up and working, it's as easy as can be to to get the rhetoric the rhetoric out. It's you know you you just do your billings, everything gets taken care of in the background, and once you've finished your invoicing for the month, you just run the rhetoric and everything kind of calculates itself. 
obviously you've got to kind of do those those manual double checks just to make sure you're happy, particularly on fixed fee projects where um, you, you've got sort of percentage of completion or milestone billings in the process. There's a couple of things there that we still need to work on on ourselves. But overall, it certainly simplifies the, the revenue recognition for us um, and, and almost takes away the, the manual input. Um, you know, there's, you, don't, you don't have to actually sit and calculate anything in any given month. The system calculates everything. And then, worst case, you've just got to sort of double check or spot check the two or three projects where you know that there's potential issues or overruns that you're trying to be a bit more conservative on. But it, the system certainly gives you the flexibility to to work around that as well. And one other piece I wanted to ask about was the uh, fixed asset management module. Why did Reveal Group need that, first of all, and, and maybe what value has it has it provided? Look, we don't really have too many assets um, in the bigger scheme of things. Um, mo- the majority of our assets consist of, you know, your sort of leasehold improvements or, or the desks and things within the offices. And then obviously every consultant's got laptops. So for me, the main thing was just to be able to track the laptops, you know, who's got what laptop, um, especially when you're transferring them in between regions. The depreciation element of it um, obviously is a big factor as well. You know, you can literally just load up the assets. Once again, you've pre-programmed or set up the, the useful lives, the residual values and all those things by asset class. There's always exceptions where you can kind of tweak any individual assets and that. But once again, it's a set and forget. You know, once it's in the asset register, you've got them capitalized. Um, the depreciation runs. Everything's always in agreement between the um, the ledger and the, um, the the asset register itself. But then at the same time, you've got the ability to run the individual register, see who's got the assets, where they're based, um, when they were purchased. Um, obviously, we've also then got the the invoices and that attached to them. So just the overall ease of use and and being able to track and transfer and and, and I guess even sell at some point um, any of the assets, it just once again takes away all the manual calculations and inputs. So something I think you mentioned earlier was uh, advanced customer support or ACS as as we often call it. It's kind of, you know, an additional level of support, additional level of, of service for customers if they need it or feel like they can get value out of it. How is that kind of helped reveal group what value have you seen from ACS so we've got a relatively small finance team as a result of that we obviously don't have too much time to be able to and I use the term loosely but play with the system or, or improve things and um, and secondly obviously being NetSuite and being global you guys have a lot more insight into what other customers are doing how other people are doing things or even solutions that you've actually implemented for other people so we'll often go to the the, the ACS team and say well this is the problem that we're having have you seen this anywhere else you know and then then your guys go off they do a little bit of um, I don't know digging through the archives or reaching out on I don't know teams or whatever it is that you guys use and ultimately then come back with some kind of a solution to say okay well yes we've done it at this customer this is how it was done do you think that'll work and then we go yes and then they can actually go ahead and, and implement that for us in sandbox for testing before we we roll it out other times it's just a question of we know exactly what we want to do but we don't have the time to do it so we you know we just quickly send an email through saying hey listen we need this can you create this field on this report linking up to that or whatever the case may be obviously it's generally a little bit more um, complex than just that but effectively it just you know it's almost like having a part-time assistant in the background to to help with some of the system admin 
Yeah, it's exactly what I was thinking. It's like having a another resource that, that you don't have to hire or uh, support, like a full-time or even part-time employee. Yeah, but I think also more than that is just having that depth of knowledge behind them as well. You know, they've got a full-on technical team. You're obviously familiar with the, the product itself. You're aware of what, every, what, what links to, to other things. So even when we're trying to do things, you know, if, if you guys are aware of something that may actually and I once again use the term loosely but break or mess up something else in the process you know then you guys can also flag that to us before we actually go down the road of implementing it or trying it um, and getting it done so it's kind of just nice having that safeguard and knowledge base in the background and Darren we've talked a lot about all the different kind of pieces you've you've added to NetSuite over the last three plus years Um, how do you think adding these different pieces has helped you get more value out of the system overall and you know just help the business support its growth and and help it grow in a way so at the end of the day i'm a big fan of having kind of one system or sort of end-to-end system Um, that way you can actually track things you know right from the the start of the the infancy of opportunities and things all the way through to i guess the the publishing of financials um, and that at the end so we, because we were coming from so many different systems and, and errands and things, my approach when we were going live was let's just get onto one system as quickly as possible in terms of core functionality. And that way, you know, we're, we're on the system, we can start building up a bit of data and track record uh, behind it. And then over time, we can look at improving and adding in the new modules. I think that worked relatively well for us. You know, when we migrated, we were no worse off than when we started on the system. Um, but it then gave us time to actually understand the system a bit more and some of the intricacies before then adding on the other modules um, in the background, rather than trying to have to learn absolutely everything from end to end, you know, cold. So. I, th- I think it was a good way uh, to go about doing it. It certainly worked for us. And in terms of getting that dot, you know, we, I mean, we had standalone timesheeting system, we had standalone payroll systems, we had standalone gel systems on different accounting systems. So, you know, bringing it all into one, you've got that ease of use. It's, um, you've got the full lifestyle tracking, life cycle tracking. You can get the information, follow it all the way through from start to finish, and it just allows you to get so many more um, insights or data points around the process that you otherwise wouldn't wouldn't have. And from kind of a big picture perspective, what do you think makes NetSuite uniquely well equipped to handle the needs of a services business? Because it is complex. There are a lot of pieces with projects and hours and all these things. How do you think NetSuite um, is able to handle the, the requirements of a, a services business in general? Yeah, look, I think it does a pretty good job uh, overall on that. Uh, you've obviously benefited from a number of different customers' industries, uh, which is what led to your sort of sweet success um, package. That that generally works um, pretty well. Um, it allows the small businesses to kind of get set up and, and scale relatively quickly. Overall, it's a pretty good uh, good product, certainly for the market that it serves. You know, it's, it's above the, the sort of... I don't know, zeros and QuickBooks, not, not that they're bad products necessarily, um, but from the scale perspective, you know, you can't quite get the same, the same benefits, but at the same time, you're not quite at the full-on, I don't know, SAP or, or something, or sorry, SAP, as I believe you have to call it in America. <laughs> Um, but um, you know, so from a cost perspective, um, it's it's a bit better than that. It's obviously not as intense. It's a lot easier to to manage on a day-to-day basis, and you don't necessarily have to be a full-on IT junkie to be able to to manage and tweak the system. You know, as a finance person, it's relatively easy to to do. Obviously, there are some things that are 
outside of the scope of, of finances ability but um, yeah that's once again where we've got the ACS team um, that can support us. Yeah absolutely um, and something I wanted to kind of bring back in at the beginning of the podcast I mentioned how a lot of CFOs are being asked to find ways to cut costs save money profitability cash flow you know really taking the spotlight is that something that's become a priority for reveal group in the last several months or year or so whatever it might be yeah look for us um, we've historically we've always been sort of owner owner managed owner funded uh, throughout the process so because of that we've we've always been relatively conservative in terms of our spending um, there's there's been there hasn't really been too much discretionary spend in the process. Uh, where we've actually found the system to be a lot more helpful for us is more so on the um, on the sort of billing customer utilization side, where we can actually identify you know where the inefficiencies are coming from, what are our utilization levels. Based on that, we can then start forecasting. You know, if we if we're running low on utilization availability. Um, we can then forecast, you know, how many people do we need to hire, what sort of excess capacity are we going to have or not, or conversely, where we've got too much available utilization, you know, you've actually then got the ability to say, well, right, do we actually need these people within the business? Are there new projects coming up? Are there any internal projects that we can put them on? And, and, and what is the time frame around it? So there's a lot of insight that you can get to assist in that process. Yeah, so the system basically has a lot of ways to help you identify areas where you can kind of pick up slack, if you will. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then just to close out here, Darren, what does the future kind of look like for Review Group? What are maybe some of your your key goals and and your strategy for for getting there? At this point in time, our main goal is um, the growth and expansion uh, that that we're currently in the process of. Um, obviously, we've just got to balance that out a little bit on the cash flow side and, and things just like any any company. But yeah, the main thing for us is just taking advantage of the market whilst it's still hot. Um, we're kind of one of the industry leaders uh, within the intelligent automation uh, sector at the moment. So we are getting more and more um, process and um, feedback from customers. Um, as we've as we've kind of scaled ourselves, we've now got the ability to actually take on bigger customers to to do more work um, for them. So all in all, the I suppose a very short answer is just getting a fair amount of scale in a relatively short period of time. And does that include kind of a continued focus on the the U.S. business since you've seen so much growth there? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, just the the size of the the companies in the U.S. makes it a very good market uh, to to be expanding into. There's a lot of opportunities within it, and the the companies that typically use us, as I mentioned a bit earlier, um, they they get significant benefits from our services. So it's certainly the place to to be at the moment. Awesome. And to to wrap us up, Darren, I have a little bit more of a personal question, I guess. You know, you're a two-time CFO. What would kind of be your most helpful piece of advice for other younger, ambitious finance professionals on how they can kind of prepare for that role um, being in charge of the, the whole finance department? Uh, look, I don't know if you can ever really feel like you're uh, um, ready for that position. You kind of got to just jump in and, and get going and kind of throughout the process you then realize that you're, I don't know, ahead of where you thought you were or you actually can do do it. But I'd say there's a couple of things. Um, the first one is probably just get involved in as much as you can across the business. Um, when you can, you know, anytime there's an opportunity or there's additional work to do, you know, go out, get it, get the experience um, that that you can. Look for ways that w- at which you can change things. You know, you don't, don't just go in going, okay, well, today I've got to, I don't know, capture these invoices, 
push out that income statement and then my job's done. You know, you've actually got to go out there and say, well, what else can we do? Do we need all these companies? Can we cut out these costs? And, you know, just have those discussions with the relevant people. The answer may be yes, you do need them, but at least, you know, have the discussion up front um, and get your hands dirty. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think anybody should be, well, you know, I'm CFO, so I'm not going to process an invoice or something. And obviously, depending on what level you're at, there's various different stages in that. You've just got to get your hands dirty, get the experience as as broadly as you can, and, um, yeah, be prepared to put in put in a bit of work to get there. Great insights there. Well, thank you so much, Darren, for, for joining us today. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me. I think Reveal Group is emblematic of a lot of NetSuite customers in that its leaders were ambitious and just figured out how to make things work as the business evolved. But eventually, the organization reached a breaking point and had to centralize its operations on a more capable system. So now, Reveal Group is in a much better position to take on whatever opportunities come its way. I also love how Darren said that you may never feel truly ready to be a CFO, but once you jump in, you realize you're more than capable. A big thank you to Darren for joining us on the podcast. I also want to extend another thank you to our editing crew over at Lampstand and, as always, all of you for tuning in. If you want more episodes just like this one, make sure you subscribe to our channel and give us a rating and review. Thanks so much, and we'll talk soon. You just listened to the NetSuite podcast. Be sure to tune in every week with more NetSuite developments, stories, and insights into the benefits of one integrated system to help you run your business.